Hi, this is Brett. Thank you for listening to my sermon podcast. If you find these messages to be valuable, please be sure to share them with your friends on social media. And remember, you can subscribe to my sermons on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud. That way they're delivered to you hot and fresh as soon as they're available. And if you've been blessed by these messages, would you take a moment or two and leave a review on iTunes? That is a huge help when it comes to getting other people to listen. Thanks again, and I hope today's message is a blessing to you. When I was very young, uh, the neighbor kid and I invented a game. Uh, we, we thought, I think we thought we were the first ones who had ever done this, and maybe we were. Uh, but we would go to the neighbor's house down the road, and we would ring their doorbell and then run. Uh, did anyone else ever do that? And here's what I learned. Here's what I learned. Uh, you can't trust your neighbors because there was a lady down the road that saw us do that and called my mom. And mom knew that we had been playing ding-dong ditch before I got back home. And then, well, then I heard that it was wrong. And I learned we shouldn't do that. But the last time I played ding-dong ditch, was with an elder at a church that I was in. And, uh, and that was an odd thing because my mom had taught me not to do that. But the first church that Trish and I went to, there was a tradition there where every November uh, they would pack up some Thanksgiving meals, some Thanksgiving dinners for families. They would find families in the community that were down on their luck. Maybe they were out of work, going through a rough time, and we would pack up a Thanksgiving dinner with a frozen turkey and, and cranberries, and, and we'd have the, the sweet potatoes and all the works, and we would deliver that to their houses a couple nights before Thanksgiving. Well, the first year I was there, I was paired with one of the elders to go out and make our deliveries, and other people were making their deliveries, and we, we were getting ready to go out, and the elder turned to me and he said, how do you want to do this? And I said, well, I'm new at this. How do you normally do it? He said, I'll tell you how I do it. I drop it on the porch, I ring the bell, and then I run. Like, okay, um, I guess we can do it that way if that's what you're used to. I, I think we could have been a little more interactive. I think we could have been friendly. You know, I think it would have been nice if we had told them where this was from and, and, and wished them a happy Thanksgiving. Maybe we'd prayed with them for a minute or offered a blessing over a meal or, or over their home. And the first house we stopped at was like just a block down from the church. And it was a family that the husband was a factory worker and he had been laid off from the factory. You know, they do that in the winter. Uh, they, they had laid him off. And so we went to the door. I think the kids saw us coming before the family did. We dropped the package. He hit the doorbell. We took off running. And let me remind you, this was a small town. Everyone knew what your car looked like. Everyone knew what your taillights looked like, right? That kind of town. Everybody knew who that was. And before we got back to the church that night, they had called and said, what's this all about? Why did you bring us this food? We, we tried to explain, well, we don't need it. Give it to someone else. And they tried. They were very appreciative, but they assured us they were doing fine. And I've thought about that night for a long time. I know our hearts were in the right place. We wanted to help. But, you know, we, we never really took time to get to know the people that we were trying to help. We really never took time to get to know what they needed. There's a difference between giving someone a frozen turkey and giving them your time, right? Giving them a little bit of, of respect as to who they are and who you are. Now, the other side of that is sometimes all anyone wants is the turkey. Sometimes all they want is, is that turkey. Yeah, give, give, give me that 
Turkey, uh, but we know they need more than that. We know they need a relationship. They need a friend. They need a church family. Are we prepared to give them not only what they want, but what they need? We're looking at a story today in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, and those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page 700 and, and or excuse me, 876. And it's a little bit of a strange story. Luke is the only one that tells us this story. Matthew, Mark, and John do not include this story in their Gospels. And so what that tells me is Luke has a purpose with telling this story. Luke has has a a very uh, intense purpose in telling this story. He uses this story to introduce a whole new section of his Gospel there in in chapter 17. It's a section about faith. And you hear that in the last verse of this story in verse 19 where jesus says to this man who has formerly been a leper a man that that jesus healed he says to this man rise and go your way your faith has made you well kind of an odd statement because the man got healed back in verse 14 and in verse 19 five verses later jesus says your faith has made you well you know the word well can mean more than just healed in fact It's not exactly what Jesus said, and some of your Bibles might reflect this. What Jesus said is, your faith has saved you. Not just made you well, your faith has saved you. That's bigger than just healing, isn't it? That's bigger than just meeting an immediate need. That's bigger than just (laughs) dropping a turkey on someone's porch and running. And that's the kind of thing that inspires true thanksgiving, and, and it might even inspire a little bit more. We need to ask ourselves, are we willing... Are we willing to do more? Are we willing to go beyond just helping, just giving people what they want, and give them what they truly need, even if they can't see the real need that's there? And you know, just like with this story, sometimes with people, we've got to look below the surface. We've got to see what's happening in their lives. Is there there's something more in this story than just ten lepers who end up getting healed of their leprosy. There's something more in this story than one former leper who comes back and says, thank you. Let me begin reading in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And lifting up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, He said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And you and I are supposed to go, Samaritan. When Jesus, uh, Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. There are two details about where this story takes place that we're supposed to notice. The first detail is it happens on the way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is Jesus' ultimate destination in the gospel of luke that is where jesus is always going from chapter 9 it says jesus set his face to go to jerusalem 
He is on his way to Jerusalem to be rejected. He is there, going there to be crucified. He is going there to die. He is going there to be buried. He is going there to be resurrected. Never lose sight of that when you're reading Luke. That is the goal, to make it to Jerusalem. But we're also told in verse 11, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Samaria, home of the Samaritans. Home of the despised, rejected, hated, filthy, subhuman Samaritans. And Galilee. Galilee is where Jesus was from. Galilee was his home. That's where he was well known. That's where he was most comfortable. But here in this place in between, this was no man's land. No one belonged here. No one belonged in that place in between. This is where people were dumped. This is where people were dropped off because they were sick, because they were diseased, because they weren't loved, because they weren't cared for, because they were broken. This is the place that you put people that nobody wanted. We got places like that. You don't have to think about, uh, about sewers like you saw in the video. You don't have to think about slums. Uh, we've got places like that. We've got places in our minds. We have little categories in our minds. We, little walls that we put up that, that we use to keep people out and we say, this person is not welcome in my life. This person is not welcome in my heart. This person can't get any closer because this person has a problem. Maybe this person has an addiction. Maybe this person has a bad habit. Maybe this person has a bad reputation, but this person is not like me and they are not going to get any closer. Maybe we Maybe we toss a few dollars their way. Maybe we put a couple bucks in the generous bucket every week. And, and you know, we say maybe we even take a turkey over to their house. You know? but, but is that it? Do we just meet that need and then go on? Do we never let them get any closer? You hear that in the story. And it's almost like that's all the lepers expected. In verses 12 and 13, it says, As he entered the village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifting up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You notice they stood at a distance, because that's what you were supposed to do. If you had leprosy, you didn't come close. You didn't come anywhere near someone. They stood at a distance. And it's there from a distance that they asked for mercy. Some of your Bibles might say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. It's the same word. Have pity on us. Have mercy on us. And if you notice... Jesus does not approach these men. Jesus doesn't come any closer to them. Jesus keeps his distance. This is the same Jesus who touched lepers in other stories in the Bible. This is the same Jesus who, who touched the poor, who touched the lame, who touched the wicked, who touched the sinners. This is the same Jesus who's made a habit of, of touching the untouchable. But here he keeps his distance. He looks them over. He sees that they are lepers. And he says, go, show yourselves to the priests. And then we read in verse 14, and as they went, they were cleansed. Keep in mind, that's what they wanted. They wanted to be cleansed of their leprosy. But that is not the point of the story because the story does not end there. That's not what you and I are supposed to get out of it. We're supposed to see there's a difference between what people want and what they need. And while we often do an exceptional job of providing what people want, do we always understand what they need? 
You know, the worst part about this story is I think we've been really hard on those other nine lepers. I know I've always been just a little hard on those other nine lepers. We read there in verses 15 and 16, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God in a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Well, where are the other ones? Why didn't they come back and give thanks? How rude of them to not come back and say thank you to Jesus. Can we give them the benefit of the doubt here? Can we give them the benefit? I mean, I mean, first of all, they're lepers. They are lepers. They've spent their lives being ignored, being pushed away for years. No one has touched them because they are contagious, because they are unclean. Jesus is possibly the first person to speak directly to them in a very long time. And what did he tell them to do? Go show yourselves to the priests. By the way, a place they were not welcome. They were not welcome in the temple. They were not welcome to go to the priest because they were lepers. Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priest. Why do we assume they're not grateful? Why don't we assume they were obedient? Why don't we assume they did exactly what Jesus told them to do? He said, go show yourselves to the priest. That's what they did. I think what you and I have to admit is we're reading way too much of our own experience into this story. You and I grew up with parents that told us to say thank you, right? You grew up with parents that told you to say thank you. They taught you to say thank you. Someone would give you something, someone would give you a piece of candy or give you a toy or give you something nice, and your mother would stand behind you and you'd get that elbow, right? You remember that elbow? What do you say, right? What do you say? And you'd stand there and go, thank you, right? We all had the same mom. We know how that works. These guys had been, had been pushed to the edge. No one has socialized with these lepers in a very long time. No one has talked to them. No one has socialized with them. No one has held them to some kind of standard of behavior. And so when only one returns to give thanks, we have to realize something more was broken in these ten men than just leprosy. And maybe if we can understand that with them, maybe we could extend that kind of understanding to those that our world has disposed of to the people that we've looked at as as disposable maybe we shouldn't expect politeness from someone who has been pushed to the margins for a long time maybe we shouldn't expect politeness from someone who has been pushed to the margins someone who wasn't raised with that understanding and more to the point we didn't do it to get thanked did we did we do it to get thanked did we put the money in the bucket so someone would have to come and, and say thank you to us? Did we leave the turkey on the doorstep so someone would have to come and say thank you? We did it because there was something they needed, and they did it because there was something that we could do. We've had this idea for a very long time that we just need to teach people how to behave right. We've had this idea that we just need to teach them how to act right. We teach people how to behave, learn to act like us, learn to dress like us, learn to say thank you like us, Stop saying those words that they keep saying that we don't like. But if we teach people to behave, then they will believe like us. And then if they believe like us, then they can belong with us. That's not the world we live in. That's not the, the world we live in. That, uh, that, that doesn't change the fact that people still need a place to belong. 
And I wonder if we could start there. I wonder if we could start in a place of belonging, offer people a place to belong, a place where they're going to be loved, a place where they're going to be cared for, a place where they're going to be welcomed. And from there, from there could we give them something to believe in. And then maybe, just maybe, then they will change the way they behave. Could we trust Jesus to do that in their lives? Could we trust the Holy Spirit to work that in their lives? Again, verse 14, Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priests. Jesus gave them a command to obey. He told them how to behave. But when they behaved, that didn't impress Jesus. What impressed him was the one guy who didn't. The one guy who wasn't content to stand at a distance. The one guy who came running and fell at his feet and gave thanks. And I wonder when the last time he had gotten that close to anyone was. And I wonder who's out there right now holding us at a distance because they don't think they live up to our standards. Because they don't think that they're good enough for us. What Jesus shows us here, what He shows us for our sake and for their sake, is if you give someone a reason to be thankful, you will give them a place to belong Again, the the story wraps up in verses 16 through 18. We read, He fell fell on His face at Jesus' feet, giving Him thanks. Now He was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? That really sums up the message of Luke's Gospel well. How did this foreigner, how did this hated, despised Samaritan who is also an unclean leper, how did he manage to do the right thing? Because you see, in Luke's Gospel, it is the outsiders who come close to Jesus. In Luke's Gospel, it is always the outsiders who come close. It is always the marginalized who get it right and find a place at Jesus' feet. It is people that you have held at a distance because they are dirty, because they are different, because they are disgusting to you. It is those people who find Jesus. They're the ones who find a place to belong. And you know, if you and I are the body of Christ, if we are His hands and feet in our world, then they're going to find belonging here. They're going to find belonging before they find belief. They're going to find belonging before they learn how to behave. They're going to find belonging here. Not more rules to obey. Not more rules that they already know. We don't live up to those rules anyway. They need to find people who are willing to do more than just give them money and give them food and send them down the road so there's someone else's problem. They need to find people who are going to be able to invest in their lives, show them that we care, and give them a reason to come closer. Give them a reason to say thank you to God. We dropped that turkey off at that, that family's house that night. And like I say, before we got back to the church, they had already called. They knew it came from the church. And they called and said, we don't need this. We don't need the turkey. And I was there with the elder as he's on the phone and he almost got mad at them. Would you just take the turkey? You know, it was almost that bad. And about a week later, we got a letter from the family. Really nice letter thanking us and, and letting us know that you know, they, they had lived this factory life for a long time and they knew that the layoffs were coming. Layoffs came every year. You know, they, were, they were ready for them. So they had saved money up all year long. All year long they 
sock a little bit back so that when the layoffs come, and you know they're always going to come at the holidays, that they would have enough money to, to hold them through that layoff time. But they had a friend who hadn't prepared. They had a friend that they worked with, and, and he hadn't prepared for the layoffs, and so they took the turkey and all the food, and they took it over to him, and, and their friend was very thankful that they had done that. The next year, when we got ready to, to put those baskets together, the first place I went was to that family's house. And I said, do you know anyone who needs some help? That family wasn't attending church. Not yet. They, they came later. But they weren't attending church with us at that time. And they gave me a couple of names of people that they thought could use some help. And before I left, the husband said, go get my checkbook. I want to give to this. I want to help out those that, are, that they're going to give the, the Thanksgiving baskets to. They were so appreciative of what we had done for their, what we had enabled them to do for their friend. There's no guarantee. Uh, from what Jesus experienced, it's one out of ten, right? There's no guarantee. There wasn't a guarantee for Jesus. Only one came back. But, but if we never give people an opportunity to come closer, if we ever, never give them an opportunity to know God's goodness, if we never give them something to say thank you to God for without feeling like they owe us something, then they're never going to come closer. They're never going to know the kind of faith that truly makes them well. Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. That's the whole theme of this portion of Luke. It, he, in fact, he wraps it up in, verse, in chapter 18, verse 8. It's chapter 18, verse 8, where Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Now hear that carefully, because that is not an indictment against humanity. Will he find faith on earth is not a statement of Jesus saying things are just going to get worse and worse and no one's finally, and in the end no one's going to believe. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to the church. It's a challenge on the church to give the people in this world something to have faith in. Something that will make them well. Something that will save them. Something that will give them a reason to give God thanks. And it's a reminder to ourselves that if he's going to find faith on earth when he returns, that includes us. That includes our faithfulness. That includes our commitment to him seen in the way we treat others. I try to share some encouraging things on, on Facebook once in a while. I get it right and I share something that people seem to be encouraged by. I shared a quote a couple of weeks ago and seemed to get a lot of great response. And I, I wanted to share it with you today. It's a little quote about how we love other people. It goes like this. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs, but they follow only the top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build it anyway. People really need help, 
but they may attack you if you do help them. Help them anyway. Give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. Thanksgiving's coming. And I've been telling you to fill your thankful tank full. (laughs) Make sure your thankful tank is full. But don't just fill your thankful tank full. Help fill someone else's also. Help fill someone else's tank. Give them a reason to be thankful. Give them a reason to share with someone that they love. Give them a reason to come closer to Jesus and see that he has something that they really need. Please stand with me as we pray. Father, there's a world of people in our lives living in the in-between. And many of them are just outside of our doors. They don't feel like they belong. They, they might not even know that they, that they need to belong. And we pray for hearts like your sons. We pray for hearts that meet them where they are and bless them in ways that they never imagined. And whether they say thank you or not, let us simply know that we did what you called us to do. We showed them Jesus in the way that we loved them. Thank you for showing us that great love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.